0: I want to talk to you about a, a pr- the process of modernism, the process or to modernism, should I say, process to modernism. <clears throat> modernism is not a new thing. It has historically goes as probably as old as the world and as old as people getting together. Uh, the New Testament, sh- it wasn't long before in the New Testament church. First-hand witnesses of Jesus. We're talking first-hand witnesses of Jesus. We're talking first-generation Christians. As you read through the epistles, you realize how much trouble there was already. I mean, the Galatians had split up, had people coming in there and saying Paul wasn't an apostle, and they were splitting up, and, and, and you know, in, in Corinthians, some, it says some of Apollos, some of... Uh, Cephas, which is Peter, some of Paul. He said, "Man, Apollo Cephas or Paul didn't save you. Jesus saved you. Quit following man. Start going back to following Jesus." And he rebuked them for their divisiveness in the Book of Corinthians, first, second chapter. Or so, and so, right in the first hundred years of the local church, it had trouble. Why? People were in it. We're bad. We're bad. I hope you don't think yourself as good. Uh, the Bible paints a picture of us in Romans chapter three, and the Bible's right. Is that right? Is the Bible true? Well, Romans chapter three, you have the poison of asps under your tongue. You'll you'll with the same tongue you'll slander your brother and praise God who made your brother. That's that's, that's, the, that's the illustration there. And I preached a whole, child, a whole sermon on uh, what the Bible says we are like, and it's not a pretty picture. Um, and it's a literal miracle that a group this big can stay together, that we ain't after each other, cutting each other's throats. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the sinful nature of man is what I'm talking about. And the only thing that stops that from happening is the Holy Spirit and obedience to the Bible. And you become a unifier rather than a divider. God says six things I hate, yea, seven. Proverbs 6 it They'd have division among the brethren. Also says in Romans sixteen, seventeen, harsh on people who cause division among brethren. It's easy to cause division. Anybody can divide, but not everybody can stay united. It takes God and the Holy Spirit to be united. It takes God for me to put up with you. I mean, uh, it takes God for you to put up with me. Amen? And so their modernism of moving to the left is what modernism refers to. A way, when I say left, let's say this is the true doctrine of God. Moving to the left, my left, your right, and that's your left would be over this way. With this moving over to the left, I always say there's a great current in life, current. There's a current to push you left of the Bible and the Word of God and truth. There's a current. It's a strong current to push you left of the Word of God and of truth. And you see it. How do you have a denomination or a group of Bible-believing Christians that love Jesus Go liberal. How does that happen? I mean, many of the mainline denominations in our country started out fundamental. When I went to Hawaii, I couldn't believe it was a congregational church that first went to Hawaii and led them people to Christ. We're talking congregationalists. Do you have any idea how liberal they are today? Yeah, it was that group a few hundred years ago that was hot for God and had a burden for the loss to where they would go to Hawaii where it was known that they would eat you, kill you and eat you if you weren't careful. And those missionaries were pioneers and went there and risked their life and risked their whole world. It was the one sea captain said, you know, that took one of the missionaries over to one of these places, these head places, and said, you know, if I let you out here, they're going to kill you and eat you. And he said, that's okay, I'm already dead. You can't kill a dead man. And it was, well, that kind of, that's fundamentalism, brother, in its core. That's Bible believingism in its core. But how did they do it? How did the Presbyterians? Presbyterians used to be a solid group fundamental King James Bible group of people. How did the Methodists John Wesley, was so disciplined in his Christian life that the people that followed John Wesley's preaching, they called them Methodists. They had a mythology, a method of living, which was disciplined living. And how, why John Wesley, if he went to the average Methodist church, they'd crucify him, burn him, and throw him out. I'm not sure what order. But he would not be welcome. First thing he would notice is the female pastor. First of all, he'd take his finger and say, you are illegitimate and cannot be a pastor because God said only men can be pastors. Going door to door, someone was describing to me a church they go to and they said, we have a Husband and wife, I got a bug crawling in my hair. I just want to, I've, I've, I've taken a couple whacks at him, but now I'm getting serious. Uh, he said, we have a beautiful, a wonderful, remember Bill, a female pastor? You know, I held my tongue on that. I didn't go crazy on her, but I'm going to say, there is no female pastor. It's not possible. How can a female pastor be the husband of one wife? And that's just the beginning. Go through the whole history of the Bible from Genesis all the way to the end. It's a man-led man. It's a man's world. And you women ought to be glad about that because you can say, you men have made a mess of this place. Well, it's no doubt. No doubt about it. Pentecostals used to be holy, used to emphasize holiness of life. How in the world did they get to where they are today? Where they, they, they have immorality rampant and sensuality rampant and just they look, they look, smell and act like the world. But they started out fundamental. Old King James Bible, traditional hymns, miracle-believing, soul-winning, separated from the world. Folks, what happened? Well, we're going to solve that mystery tonight. Take your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32 and verses 1 through 10. If you listen well, I'll, I'll I'll not be long. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mount, out of the mount, The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what has become of him. There was definitely an absence of leadership, was there not? And Aaron said unto them, you be patient on God and wait for Moses because that's what God said to do. He told us to wait for him till he got down. Now that would have been a leader, uh, not Aaron. Aaron just wanted to please him, make him happy. And Oh, there's too many people like that. Aaron said, break off the golden earrings which are in your ears and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it an a tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. What? And they rose up early in the morrow and offered burnt offering and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink rose up to play. They had them a slam dunk worship service. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, which thou brought us up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. I always appreciate him getting the credit for that. And they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them, and they have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone. Ooh, aren't we in debt that he didn't do that? that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. I want to examine here what happens on the down spiral from Bible-believing fundamentalism to modernism or liberalism. First of all, I notice that the people led the leaders. The people lead the leaders, if I may say that. Remember old, some of you remember old Wendell Heller? Old Wendell Heller, he's about 90-some years old now, 91 or 2, I think. He's got Alzheimer's so bad he don't recognize people anymore, but he's got a great reward facing him in heaven. He he served God faithfully up there at uh, at, uh, Indianapolis. Uh, Quit talking to me. At a wonderful church up there on the northeast side of Indianapolis. But anyway, uh, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Me and Thomas, Thomas and I have something in common. Wendell Heller may always made a funny statement about leadership. And he was a leader, he was a good leader. And he said, He used to say, leadership's like this sometimes. There they go, I must lead them. I got it. I got it. There they go, I must lead them. That's the quality of a modernist pastor and leadership. And if I may say, that was Aaron. In other words, what the people want, I'm going to give it to them. Not what's right for them, not what's best for them, not what's good for them, but what they want. And there is great pressure, and I'm telling you from experience, on a pastor to compromise here, and to hedge, and to trim, and to ease up, and to soften up, and to make palatable the Word of God. It's easy, and there's pressure on a preacher to just skip the controversial areas of Scripture like male leadership. You won't hear that in enough churches to worry about. I preached one time against obesity, gluttony. Well, I don't know. How many here have ever heard a sermon on gluttony beside the one I preached? God bless you. God bless the people who preach that. One of the hardest sermons I ever had to preach, looking at you people doing it. I mean, it's, it's hey, look. It's a fact of life in some cases. You gotta admit it. We 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 condemn smoking with vengeance. Oh man, a guy smokes cigarettes, he's a wicked man, but if you eat yourself to death, it's okay. Got a couple doctors in the premises here. This I hope they say amen. First thing you do when you go to the doctor, he says, I think you need to lose about 30, 40 pounds. I always look at him. He better be thin, is all I can tell you. <laughs> you better be dead. It's easy to be silent about the things that rub the cat the wrong way. People come into my office, at least years ago, early on, and they challenged me in hard places of the Bible. I have had women come into my office and tell me that I was hurting God's people by the position I took scripturally, harming people people uh because of what i believe and i said well show me in the bible where i'm wrong show me the bible doesn't say that they couldn't do that because the bible said what i was talking about cuz i'm a bible believer i want to follow the bible someday i'm going to answer for every word i speak so these people came to aaron what should aaron have done they were leading aaron rather than him leading them so where, where the down spiral comes to liberalism is poor leadership. It's been said everything rises and falls on your leadership. You get some weak-kneed, pink-lemonade, weak-willed, please-the-people type preacher, and it won't be long before the church is gone into liberalism. It's happened everywhere. Oh, my. He should have led him in the right path. He had a great opportunity there to square him away. Should have told them that what they were planning to do was a horrible sin that they were asking him to do. Told them that if they went back to Egypt, they would die in Egypt, betray God, and he and God would deliver them over to the Egyptians. That's what he should have done. He should have led them. But he didn't, did he? The second thing I see in the down spiral to liberalism, the pastors follow the people. They decide to do it. Imagine Aaron doing and saying, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. What in the world? What did God think about that? When Aaron did that, well, take your Bibles if you want to, and Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 20 shows you what they thought, what God thought about it. Though it's not in the passage that we're at, but in the passage in here in Deuteronomy 9 20, it does say what God thought about it. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And Moses said, I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. God is not happy with compromising to fill, to fill your building. God is not happy with pink lemonade, sissy, afraid of people, give them what they want, preachers, so that you can make your budget good. God wanted to kill Aaron. He wanted to kill him. And only Moses' intercession for Aaron evidently saved him. The third thing I see in verse 5 is the pastors, these liberal down spiral pastors, improvise. When Aaron saw it, verse 5, he built an altar before it and made proclamation tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. They substituted the world for what God had originally given them and said, it's of God. They put the calf in the middle of them. and said, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. It's going on today all over the world. It's going on today all over the world. People have come to their pastors and said, we don't like the old hymns of the faith. We don't like the songs of Zion. They're too slow. They don't give us any zap." They don't shake us up. We want the music we're of the world. We want the music of, of what we call rock and roll or R&B or industrial music and all that other stuff. We want to bring that into the church and add Christian words to it. We don't relate to these old hymns of the faith. What Aaron do? as so many preachers today do? Sure, no problem. I'll write you some new songs. Instead of calling it rock and roll songs, we'll call it, we'll add Christian words to it and call it contemporary Christian music. Doesn't that sound good? Contemporary. Everybody loves something new, contemporary Christian music, but contemporary Christian music doesn't mean recently written. It means worldly music. Music that is played in the bars and in the dance halls with Christian words set to it that's what it means. I spent a lot of time through the years preaching against it. And then they'll begin we'll have what we call holy dancing, preacher. I have a book in my office written by a pastor of a church it was running about 600, budget was fabulous. He had CCM, he had holy dancing. He took his men to the side one day and he asked him he says, "How many of you are suffering uh, from lust and Man, I mean, it was like 90-some percent of them. He says, well, where where is this going on? They said, at church. At church. Well, how's that happening? He says, well, when the women get up there and they start doing the deal, you know, we're struggling with our eyes. We're struggling with our thought life. It convicted him so badly. He went, rethought what he was doing, got rid of the music, got rid of the holy dancing, and 400 of those 600 people left him. What were they there for? What were they there for? The liberal, lean, the liberal leaning pastor just improvises and calls bad good. Let's have a let's have a worship in the name of the Lord. You put the name of the Lord on it; that sanctifies everything. That makes everything good. But you know what doesn't. Let's worship the Lord the way we want to worship the Lord. Because he's glad, because by the way, God's just glad to get any kind of worship. And by the way, God ought to be happy that we want to worship him. Now, you know, that's blasphemy. But that seems to be the attitude that I run into. Well, he ought to be glad at least we're worshiping God. Let me tell you, God's not looking for worship. He's looking for worship. Worship. He said, when you worship God, you must worship him in spirit and truth. Right? Jesus made it clear. Spirit and truth. These are the worshipers, he said, that I'm looking for. People that worship me in spirit and truth. Not just, look, you're not doing God a favor going to church. You're not doing God a favor tithing. You're not doing God a favor. He did you the favor. He saved you out of a devil's hell and forgave all of your sins by the shed blood of Christ because you exercised simple childlike faith in him. If anything, we owe him. I get to go to church. I get to tithe. I get to be a witness. I get to lay my life down for Christ. God forbid that I'd ever say I'm doing God a favor of some sort. I think it was Jesus that said, At your very best, you're unprofitable servants. Isn't that in the Bible? Y'all know that? Jesus said, If you want to start bragging on yourself, here's a way to do it. I'm an unprofitable servant at my best. Glory to God, I'm nothing without Jesus. How about you? But their attitude, they compromise and improvise. And number four, I see on this fourth step down, is the people just love it. I had a friend of mine. At one time, he was a friend. He was a fundamental preacher. He decided to compromise. Took a church, brought in, got rid of this stuff. The first thing to do is get rid of the wood pulp. Put a lexicon pulpit up. See through some different cabling pulpit. They get rid of the piano. They get rid of the organ. Bring in some drums. Rock and roll band behind them, you know, and they change, usually they'll completely, they do not want this to look like a church. You want it to look like a movie theater. And so they make it like a movie theater. Sometimes they even sell the building and build a new building. They want it so much to be like a movie theater. They literally build a movie theater. I went to a youth, McGregor Baptist Youth Youth Hall. They built an $11 million building up there. And they had the ceiling black, the walls black, and the floor black. I thought I was entering into worship of Satan. That was be what, isn't darkness opposed to light? I believe a church that represents the light ought to be light. Am I crazy? Well, I'm not crazy. And that whole black thing indicates who they are. The darkness that they desire is not the Holy Spirit. He is the light, the light of every man that cometh into the world. Just as so, so thoroughly taught through the New Testament about light and darkness. And so we see the people just loved it. Look in verse 6, and they rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. Man, the money money was good. The money was good. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Going to church got to be like a thrill. I had somebody visit our church a while back in his 20s. I went to visit him a, They allowed me to come over to the house, and I was glad they did. Went over to visit them and sat down with them and said, "Uh, are you looking for a church? They said, we're looking for a church, but we would never go to your church. I said, do you not believe? Oh, we believe what you believe, preacher. We're fundamental believers. We believe the Bible's inspired from cover to cover, but your music is dead. I said, what? He said, your music is dead, man. We don't just get anything out of it. We sat through the service. They just don't move us. Well, I want to say, well, that's what, you've got to get right with God to be moved by this music. And I don't mean that facetiously. I mean that. If you're right with God, this music will move you. It'll move you to tears. It'll give you all the emotion you want to hear. But if you're hard, worldly, all week long, you're listening to their music, you're going to come to church and be as cold as a piece of ice or as a Minnesota hubcap. You're going to be so, you're going to know what, you're going to have a sour look on your face and go, oh, that's hymns you play, just they don't do nothing for me. Of course that's because you ain't doing nothing for God either. You're living it for the world, in the world, by the world, and take one hour a week, expect God to do something with you. Oh, you need this kind of preaching. They say, man, church is fun. We get high worshiping God. They went from mostly preaching to mostly music. When old fundamental Bible believers were mostly preaching, Rather than mostly music, it's by the foolishness of preaching. God saved them to believe. I mean, what I read in the book, you read the same book I read. Tell me what 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 empowers the local church? It's the preaching of the Bible, teaching the Bible. Now, songs are great, music's good, but it's not the main course of what God wants you to have. So they change their ultimate emphasis to what emotionally thrills them. Here's where they're confused. They think their emotions getting high is equal with the Holy Spirit getting high. They misunderstand that the spiritual things are not like the physical things. I can have a spiritual high and be weeping because the Spirit doesn't react to the things that the flesh reacts to. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's the Bible. You can take it for what it's worth. So, what do you enjoy about the old fundamental Bible-believing service? I see here, lastly, as a confirmation that Aaron did right, the people flocked to it and loved it. Now, this man I told you about that left fundamentalism and went to pastor this church and moved left and compromised it, I went to see him. And he, you know what his story was? You know what excited him? He said, Preacher, this is working beyond my imagination. Our church is full, 2,500 people. We collected so much money that they couldn't finish counting until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That did not impress me. Talked about the money. Talked about the crowds. My Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the greatest teacher that ever was, didn't have large crowds despite. fight. Following him normally. In fact, all forsook him. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying small makes you right with God either. I'm not saying that. But for sure, big don't make you right with God. I mean, the Islamics get a big crowd, right? Somebody told me about how big it were. I said, Well, the Islamics pray five times a day. How many times do you pray? They're not right. The Islamics gather massive crowds of people at their gatherings. Does that make them right? But Aaron got, Aaron got Aaron gave them what they want. Made the calf say, "This is we're going to have a feast." Of the Lord. They came. Things were good. Whoo! Till the old fuddy duddy showed up. Moses. Oh, he never has anything good to say. Oh, look at that scornful look on his face. Why, he's, he's, he's carrying these two tablets. Why, he even got so mad, he took those tablets, which, which God's finger ran, broke them on the mountain, saying, You're not even worthy of these commandments. Broke them on the mountain. Came down, ground that old calf up into powder, and put it in the water, and made him drink it. Shamed him. Levi went through the congregation, tore him up. And step number five is God hated what he saw. We read that, verse 7 through 10. God hated what he saw. Judgment must first begin at the house of God. Why? Because the house of God has the highest privilege, the most knowledge of what's right and wrong, and what God has done for them. I read 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17, 19 says for this for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us what shall the end of be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Whoa. For if the righteous scarcely be saved where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Good question. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. What this passage describes is the process of apostasy. The word apostasy simply is a fancy word for fall away. It's the process of falling away. Gospel Baptist Church will be and has always been under the pressure to compromise. Always has been. And when I'm gone, the next guy is going to be under the same pressure that I've been under for the last 28 years as a senior pastor. To change, to let the people lead, and to call it God. And enjoy the success as a stamp of approval that God's for it. And there's very few people who will, They'll argue and say, how can God not be in this? Look at, preacher, I've mean, I got 2,500 folks showing up three times a day, three times on Sunday. i got three services, 7,500 people. Some of these churches, these compromising churches, one across the way, 18,000 people show up on Sunday morning. Uh, others, I've, I've heard, in fact, at Joel Osteen's church, I heard 95,000 people one time went on a Sunday. I mean, how can you argue with that? See, in a pragmatic society where where your worth is determined whether something works or not, you would say, of course, that has to be right because we're we're pragmatic. But we're not pragmatic. We're principle-based people. God forbid pragmatism. Just because something works does not make it right to do. That's pragmatism. But what my life's based around is the principles of right and wrong, truth that God Himself has written for us. Now, there's no nobility in being small. Let me go back and I'm just being small. You can you can be you can be out of the will of God and be small. You can be out of the will of God and be big. You can be out of the will of God and be in between those. Or you can be in the will of God and you can be big. I, I saw it with my own eyes, Brother Hiles, you've been up to Hiles. They were right with God. They were bleed like we believe. Baptized 1,500. One afternoon I stood there and watched it happen. Were you with us that day? Till 3 o'clock or something. We stayed there and watched them baptize. 250 buses go out and pick boys and girls in the south side of Chicago, if you know what I'm talking about. That's the worst part of Chicago. South side of Chicago and pick boys and girls up for what, 40 years or so. And I love that church. If I lived in that area, that's the church I'd have been a member of, First Baptist Church of Hammond. But I've also been in churches with 10, 12, 15 people who were just as right with God and doing what they could do to reach the neighborhood they lived in. And they were preaching an everlasting gospel just like Brother Heil preached everlasting gospel and didn't compromise. I hope you know God does not change Himself to fit the world. When the when the world gets saved, they change themselves to fit God. You with me? I am conformed to God, not God conformed to me. Romans 12 2. Be not conformed to the world. Right? Romans 12 2. But where, where is that's such an easy verse to quote? I'm gonna ask Thomas sweat to quote it. Where you at, Thomas? You're not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's right. I love Brother Thomas. I really do. And you know what I like about him? He don't quit. He don't quit, brother. He gets up here and goes at it, keeps at it. And don't you feel bad about that? God's teaching you one thing you need, humility. Because God resists the proud, like Chris. (laughs) Oh, Chris gets up here, huh? I got that down. And you know, I'm playing. I'm playing, I'm playing. And his wife edits this, so boy, that'll go over big. Uh, But you know, oh, brother. Take that out of the recording, by the way. But when God makes something hard on you, he's helping you. He's making you humble. And God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to people who struggle yet want to do it. I love to go witnessing with somebody that stutters. Some of my favorite people to witness with are people who struggle talking. Uh, 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 We're here from a gospel Baptist. I love to go with those people. Because you know what they got to overcome to be there? And you know what I find? They're more effective than I am because the people listening to them got the same feeling I got. Like this guy really must really want to tell me something to come here and embarrass himself with that stutter or with that that speech impediment. I've almost started faking one. Glory to God. Don't move left. God have mercy. Stay with the foundation, the things that God has taught us in this book. Stay with it. And then you will come to the end of your life and you will not be unhappy you didn't stick with it. You'll be glad you did. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for a few minutes together. Help us to stand. You said in Ephesians, there's so many places that come to my mind. Stand, having done all the stand, stand therefore. We're wrestling not against flesh and blood and against powers, principalities. That's what this is about tonight. The moving left is the evil one, pressuring us, pressuring us to get in a place where God can't bless us anymore. And the Holy Spirit will be grieved to be in our presence. Father, we just pray that your hand be upon us. Help us to be faithful unto death, faithful faithful no matter whether the world responds to it or does not respond to it. Help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name.